98.7 FM, Arizona's sports station. Yeah, could I have a number three with cheese and uh, a large coffee? Man, does this smell good. Wolfing down your lunch. Serving up today's top sports stories with Wolf and Luke. Hey, boys. Presented by Stadium Swim at Circa Resort and Casino, Las Vegas' ultimate sports fan destination. All right, it's time for all of today's top sports stories in one place. Wolfing down your lunch. Aaron Maloney is here. Aaron? So as the fallout surrounding Robert Sarver and the Phoenix Suns continues, this morning we got a new development as PayPal released a statement, which is a sponsor of the Suns. They said, quote, in light of the findings of the NBA's investigation, we will not renew our sponsorship should Robert Sarver remain involved with the Suns organization after serving his suspension, unquote. What do you guys think is next? I think we're going to, I don't want to say we're like definitively going to hear from other sponsors, but would it shock you if we heard from other sponsors? Even if it's not other sponsors pulling out, other sponsors maybe that aren't associated with the team being like, we're just not ever going to be associated with the team. This, again, keep saying this this week, this is not the end of the story, Wolf. This is the start of the story. Yeah, it's for me, I, I don't know what is next either, or either if you're from the East Coast, but right now, my attention is on the minority owners. Of course, we all know that we've we've got a situation right now where one of those minority owners has come out and called for the resignation of Robert Sarver. So where this is going to go, I do not know, but I think it's only going to get worse. I think we'd all agree on that. So, and just a little tease here, Monica Lindstrom, our legal analyst, will join us at 1215 to break it all down. So maybe she can get things a little bit clearer for us there. Monica. Um, It's a football Friday here on Arizona Sports as the Cardinals gear up for the Raiders on Sunday in Las Vegas. So is Vance Joseph worried about Isaiah Simmons' confidence going against Darren Waller after struggling last week against Travis Kelsey? I can confirm Isaiah Simmons did not body slam. Travis Kelsey. That would have been nice. Here's the Cards defensive coordinator. No, he, he's fine. Obviously, he knew he didn't play great last week, and we had a good plan for Kelsey to kind of get him leveraged or doubled, you know, on 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 most of those targets. But um, you know, he was drafted to cover tight ends, you know. So you know, next week he has to wash his brain and go try again. But it's a it's a tough job in this league. Those guys are more receivers than there are tight ends now, and. Obviously, you know, playing within the scheme and playing your proper leverage and playing the coverage call will help him, you know. And uh, unfortunately, last week he didn't do that. You know, so hopefully this week he does that. Do you think the cards will have an answer for Darren Waller? Uh, I mean, they should with with Isaiah Simmons. But um, until I see the Cardinals have an answer on defense, I'm not going to sit here and be like, oh, yeah, they got unless Unless the question yeah. is, do you think Buda Baker can do blank? My answer, yes, is Buda D- Baker can always do whatever you're asking him to do. You. Anybody else, no, until I see it, I don't believe it. Yeah, you know, it's one of the reasons why Jalen Thompson as well. I think it's so important um, that they get their best cover guys they possibly can and they get these guys healthy so they can play in a game. Uh, the fact Jalen Thompson is all banged up, it does fill me with a great deal of stress. Um, Isaiah Simmons is, is certainly capable athletically of covering Darren Waller all day. Long athletically, yes, he is. Will he? That is the question. 
we're going to have to wait and see. Because right now, how can you say anything but prove it? Especially if you if you're asking somebody to cover Darren Waller, then to me that's your job for Sunday. Not, but also be a safety and a corner and an edge rusher and have the green. How about right now? You just we would like Darren Waller shut down. That's not easy to do. Could you go ahead and just do that, Isaiah, for Sunday? The Chiefs rallied from a 17-7 second-half deficit to beat the Chargers last night, 27-24. And, of course, let's go Ducks. Justin Herbert didn't get the win. But here's what Brandon Staley said about his quarterback following the loss. It was a tough game, and you're not going to see a quarterback in any level of football play tougher and do more for their team and will their team um, to give them a chance than him. There's nobody that can do what he can do. Nobody. Um, he showed a lot of guts. He showed us what he shows every day, um, that we're never out of the fight. And he brought us back and gave us a chance. It's my team. It's my quarterback. Did you say Brandon Staley? Not Stokely. Did you say Staley? He did say Staley. Um, okay, that's interesting. How about that? Wow. You want to talk about effusive in your praise. It sounds like he's got a great relationship with this kid. Why not? Two young guys making their way, proving their worth. Justin Herbert, oh my goodness, he looks fantastic. He's, he's winning me over. About, he's winning me over. Took about, you long enough. Yeah, seriously. Where you been? How about that uh, That series, the last series of the game, remember he was hurt. There's a third down, and he could have walked one yard to get the first down, and he couldn't even walk the yard, basically, so he just threw it away. Remember this? And then a fourth down, just, you know, no, no big deal, just convert touchdowns. Dropped the dime right there, yeah. It, fourth, fourth downs in the fourth quarters with, like, Justin Herbert's, that's where he lives. Um, really quickly, guys, what did you think of the first NFL game on Amazon Prime? Um, it it messed with me a little bit hearing Al Michaels and Kirk Herbstreit together. I yeah. was like, is it Saturday or yep. is it Monday? Right. Oh, it's Thursday. Yeah. So that, that has thrown me off. It was weird, but man, I loved it. It warmed up to it quickly. Very, very cool. And we're going to end it here, guys. And by the way, I just want you to know exactly. I told, It was all me, IT. I literally, right off the phone, here we go. Look, everybody. Bam. You call Let me IT? Um, introduce you to uh, the year of 2022 and the smart TV. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I handled it in the compound. And then Diamondbacks rookie pitcher Dre Jameson threw seven scoreless innings in his MLB debut as the D-backs got the 4 nothing win over the Padres. How impressive are these young guys? You know, this was the thing. A month or so ago, it was, okay, they've got all these young hitters and these outfielders specifically, and Jordan Lawler at some point, Wolf, and even other outfielders that aren't up yet, like Dominic Fletcher and some of these other guys. But it, but the question in the back of my mind was always, okay, but what do they have pitching-wise? And you have Ryan Nelson coming in and you have the performance we saw last night and, you know, it's one performance, but that's a pretty good performance. Man, I thought Dre was absolutely fantastic once again. Um, to get your opportunity and to go out and take the ball and deliver in spades, you gotta be kidding me. To be lights out in your debut, 
I, how cool is that for a young guy to get the now? Once again, it's one game. We all understand that. I don't. I don't want to overreact. Yet at the same time, every time I see a young guy get the opportunity to play at the next level, be it the NFL, the NHL, Major League Baseball, the NBA, whatever it may be, go out and make his debut and then rock it. Oh man. It, it fills me with joy would you, for them. Would you say when we talk about all these prospects, we forgot about Dre? Is that what you're trying to say? Yeah, I think maybe. Are you getting? And you know what? It's easy to forget with all these prospects, these farmers that are up right now. This is a great team to watch. Uh, join Four Peaks this Sunday for a Red Sea Road Rally as the Cardinals take on the Las Vegas Raiders. Enjoy great prizes, ticket giveaways, and food specials all game long this Sunday at Phillies off Warner Road and the I-10. That, of course, was Wolfing Down Your Lunch. Thank you, as always, Aaron. When we come back, what's next for the Suns and for Robert Sarver with how quickly things are moving? Stuff may be different by the time we do the show on Monday. That's next. It's the Wolf and Luke Show on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. Wolf and Luke Middays, 98.7 FM, Arizona's Sports Station. Welcome back to the show. It is Wolf and Luke here on this Friday afternoon, a football Friday, but obviously a lot going on with the Phoenix Suns. And so we have been talking about that for a good chunk of the show as well, Wolf. And uh, look, I've given you my theory as to what I think's happened. You've, uh, or what is happening or about to happen. And certainly you have, uh, you've, as you've said, you are the grassy knoll. You don't just stand on the grassy knoll. So you've thrown some ideas out there as well. But we have a couple times come to points in the conversation where we're like, we probably need like representation to tell us <laughs> what we're uh, uh, answer so, some of these questions. Yeah, somebody who knows what they're talking yeah, about. We don't have to pretend to be attorneys. So fortunately, we have on the Arizona Sports Line right now Arizona Sports Legal Analyst Monica Lindstrom joining us. Monica, what's going on? Hi, gentlemen. Money, boy! I cannot yeah. thank you enough, man. I, wait a minute. Somebody told me you're a judge now. Money is that true? Yeah, yeah. That's one of the feathers in my cap. One of the responsibilities. Yep. <laughs> oh, you should have to yep. stand while addressing her right now, Wolf. Yeah. Is it, can I still call you money, or do I have to say yes. your honor? Well, if you can always call me money. That's like the <laughs> best coming from you. Thank you, Judge Money. That's a, yeah, right. Uh, all right, Monica. So um, with all the stuff going on with the Suns, and Wolf, I think I'm stealing your question, but I do think it is the, the most uh, prominent one right off the bat. Uh, when you hear John Najafi, one of the Suns minority owners, but the, but the second largest stakeholder say, look, I, I don't want Robert Sarver back, essentially, it does sort of raise the question of how much power do the minority holders have in a situation like this if they're looking around and saying, hey, we're losing and sponsors right now it's just one but in or even just what john was saying more so just taking a moral stance if he doesn't want robert sarver around do they have any power as minority owners yeah actually they do so there's three different avenues the first avenue if uh, people wanted to get rid of sarver is the public pressure and those are the sponsors pulling out and the public not going to the games and trying to boycott the Suns or whatever that may be that's one avenue the next avenue with the minority owners is they need to look at the contract that they have with sarver and that actual owner that internal ownership uh, contract to see what are the options that are available to them here 
because this is all based on contract law. This isn't like the government coming in and taking something. This is a property interest that Sarver has. So you just can't come in and steal it from him. You have to follow the rules and the contracts are those rules. Now, the third avenue is what the MBA has with Sarver, which is the MBA constitution and their bylaws, because this is a business. This is a club, right? A business. So everybody that joins has to follow the constitution and or the rules, which is the contract. And under the contract, there is a way for the board of governors, which is uh, a representative from each one of the teams to come together. And once a charge is made, they can have a hearing and they can decide that he can no longer be an owner and they can get rid of him. So money, when you on the minority owners, when you look at this, would would a minority owner step up and call for the resignation of Robert Sarver if they couldn't do anything about it? Do you yes think Yes and no. Okay, why do you say that, money? Because if they want to make a, like a moral statement, right, make a, a stand, you know, draw the line and say, look, this is what he's doing. This is not how we feel. This is not what we want. You are letting the court of public opinion know how you feel about something. So that can go a long way in the public arena. And perhaps in the future, if you want to get more investors in order to strengthen your position. Right. So that is a is a yes. Um, what was the other half? The no. Yeah, no, I, I was just wondering, you said yes or no was your answer. I was just wondering if the minority owner could actually step up. He's calling for the resignation oh, yeah, yeah. because he's calling of that. Um, would you call for his resignation if you really couldn't do anything about it? Yeah, and one of the the ways you can do that is you would do it so that you could get the public pressure, right? And maybe even the MBA pressure and the Board of Governors, if the minority owners are saying, look, we might not have the power under our internal contract with him to push him out because he is a majority owner. So he has the majority say in our decisions. But if we stand up and say how we feel, that could put pressure on the MBA Board of Governors to go under its constitution and bylaws and have that vote and try to get rid of Sarver. Talking to Monica Lindstrom, Arizona sports legal analyst and uh, and judge, we just found out too. So now I feel like I have to sit up straighter when I'm asking these questions. <laughs> no. uh, but Monica, as far as, and there's a lot of dots here that, you know, we can only connect them with speculation at the moment. But if the NBA at, at a certain point decided like, look, okay, we are losing sponsors and his own minority owners don't necessarily want him there. And like you said, there might be public pressure as well. We've already heard a couple players speak out. If it got to the point where the NBA is like, look, we, we he, this guy's not worth all the trouble. Um, is there any sort of fear if they tried to push him out that he could come back with legal action against them? Oh, sure. Because if they're trying to push him out, that's pursuant to the contract that he has with them, right? So they're saying, look, you breached the contract. You basically screwed up. You're making the NBA look bad. It's causing a problem. Uh, wasn't that Donald Sterling, mm-hmm. right? Didn't yeah. he do the same thing? Um, I think that was his name. The, um, so if they're doing that, they're saying, look, you breached your contract. Well, he could turn around and respond and say, no, I didn't. 
right? And then they have the court action fighting back and forth. So absolutely he could, and he could claim that they're they're um, trying to, you know, an illegal ouster, so to speak, or they're the ones that are breaching the contract because they're trying to push him out without proper cause or without following the proper procedure. So even though this sounds all interesting and sexy and exciting because it's sports and it's an NBA franchise, it really boils down to contract basics and what rights each side has. And with a breach of contract or a business breakup, inevitably they each sue each other for something. Yeah, Money, this is my last one right here, but can the city of Phoenix, what can the city of Phoenix do? Because to me, I mean, they donated, what, $80 million? I don't say, I say donated. They contributed $80 million to the, the Suns arena, of course, and they own the arena. So, I mean, is, is there anything they can do in this? <laughs> You know, that's a great question, and that's something that I hadn't thought of before. I mean, as a government entity, they can try to put pressure on uh, Sarver. Uh, they could try to put whatever restrictions they have available to them within the contract against the Suns. I would be really surprised if they did that because that would be hurting more the Suns and the fans than it would be trying to hurt Sarver. Mm -hmm. I don't know the contract or the uh, details between the city of Phoenix and uh, the Suns when it comes to the arena. So that's always a possibility as well. But I think if, if the minority owners really want him out, they look first at their internal contract and then next they really put pressure on the NBA because there is successful history regarding this. It has happened. So it could happen again. Boy, that's great. Monica, we really appreciate the time you filled in some of the blanks for us. So thank you very much. Bye, gentlemen. Thanks. Money, money, thank you so much, man. That was great stuff right there. Great information for oh, yeah. money. Because we keep having these conversations, but then we hit a certain point. Like, exactly. okay, what could, what could John Najafi and the other minority owners actually do? What could the city of Phoenix do? Why would the NBA be hesitant to just say, get out? Well, because he could yes. sue them. <laughs> That's yes. why. Uh, so thanks to our Arizona sports legal analyst, Monica Lindstrom, for joining us right there on the Arizona sports line. Text us your thoughts to the FanDuel text line at 6. 2620 right now. We come back. Will Isaiah Simmons have an answer for Darren Waller on Sunday? Please, Isaiah. It's the Wolf and Luke Show, 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. Football Friday with Wolf and Luke. Presented by 72 Sold. Get your price. 98.7 FM, Arizona's Sports Station. Louisiana. Okay, well, if you brought up Zach Ertz earlier in the show, <laughs> one of the uh, biggest weapons the Cardinals feasibly have in this game. Yeah. Uh, the Raiders obviously have a pretty good tight end as well in Darren Waller. In fact, let's start there. Here's Zach Ertz talking about Darren Waller, one good tight end knowing about another. Darren is a stud, obviously. Uh, he's been doing it at a high level for a couple years now. Uh, and he's just so dynamic. You see his receiver traits come out when you watch this film. He's so explosive. Um, him and Derek have a really good comfort level with one another. Um, and that's what all good tight end play starts with is the quarterback, obviously. You're not going to see a lot of amazing tight ends with poor quarterback play. Um, it just doesn't work that way. So um, Darren's I got a lot of respect for him. Um, I hope our defense shuts him down on Sunday, obviously. Uh, but I root for him a lot. 
Yeah, that is the guy right there, honestly, that I'm more concerned about than almost anyone else. And I know that seems absolutely ludicrous to say when you got Devontae Adams out on the perimeter. I, I get that. But Darren Waller and the fact that I do believe the Raiders are going to be able to run the ball, um, I think they're going to try to run the ball. As a matter of fact, listening to Vance Joseph, he even said they're going to line up and they're going to try to run the ball against us. They're going to try to run the ball because obviously the Cardinals have struggled with that all the way back to last year, the last third of the season, I would say in particular, especially after they lost J.J. Watt. It really was problematic trying to stop the run for the Arizona Cardinals. And the only hope they had is their offense was going to go out there and score more points than the other team. So much of the time, the other team was going to be in catch-up mode and wasn't going to be able to stick to running the ball. That was not the case in the last third of the season. Uh, this is Vance Joseph talking about some of the weapons the Raiders have on offense. They've got skill, guys. I mean, the tight end's a big-time guy. He, he can really run. He's got a huge catch radius. I mean, uh, Renfro in a slot, one-on-one, it's almost uncoverable, you know, without leverage. And obviously Adams. And uh, the backs the backs are really good back. Jacobs, you know, so we can't discount him. I mean, he's he averaged, what, 5.7 yards a carry last week, you know, on very few touches. But I think Josh is going to hand the ball off more often this week and also use play action to free up Devontae and those guys. So it, it's 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 going to be a tough out. They've got three really good skill catchers and they got a good back. You know, and the quarterback's experience. He's been in Pro Bowl. So it's NFL football. You know, every week is a different challenge and I think we're up for it. You know, but we have to play better. If we don't, it won't get better. But we have to coach and we have to play better this week. There's a reason the Raiders were in the playoffs last year. They're almost like the forgotten playoff team. Yeah. They snuck in right at the end of the season by <laughs> by going for the win against the Chargers instead of just taking the tie that would have got them both in, but uh, that's a lot of skill right there. And when you factor in Max Crosby and Chandler Jones now on defense, this is going to be a very difficult game. Wolf, I do think it's a winnable game. Not if the Cardinals play the way they played on Sunday. It's yeah. Everybody, I bring this up to, you, like, no, I think this is a winnable game. And people are like, they're not going to win if they play. They're not. They wouldn't beat anybody playing the way they played on Sunday. Right. I'm, I'm assuming slash hoping they're not going to play like that ever again this season. Well, one of the big things they've got to do. This is not going to be a shock to anybody, but they've got to make Derek Carr one-dimensional. They have to put him in a one-dimensional situation, in a one-dimensional offense where he's throwing the ball. That's what he's got to do. Now, how does that happen, Luke? (laughs) How does that happen? That happens because you go out and you basically become the Kansas City Chiefs to the Arizona Cardinals in week one of the season, where the Chiefs came out and scored on their first three possessions. Three touchdowns on three possessions. So if you win the coin flip on Sunday are you receiving? Because I usually am of the mindset of go ahead and defer and yes. just sort of backload the game. But yes. if you're talking about getting a lead on the Raiders so they have to become one-dimensional, is this a week you might actually just take the ball and it's go? exactly right, man. Ooh. I mean, why not? Why would right. you not do that? I, I think that might be a strategy going forward even when you stop and think about it, knowing how the offense is the strength of this team overall, and getting a lead is going to be really, really important. Making the other quarterback, the opposing quarterback, one-dimensional, it's a way to try to win games, and I think they can do it.
Uh, you talk about the quarterback. Here's Derek Carr yesterday saying he's not going to put too much stock into how the Cardinals looked against the Chiefs. I never put too much into stats or into into like the ultimate, just the score, right? Um, you know, I want to see the why. You know, I want to see the scheme. I want to see the blitzes and the coverages and the, the players. And I've been on a, a team with a losing record, but we knew we, we could beat certain teams when you turn the film on, you know. And uh, and we'd go out there and we'd beat them. People were like, oh my gosh, how'd you do it? When you turn the film on, we saw it, you know, based on what we had. So I never get too caught up in that stuff. They're a really good football team. They caused a lot of uh, uh, turnovers last year, stripping the ball, you know, on you know running backs and receivers, quarterbacks running and all that kind of stuff. They're really good at that. They're really good at um, creating negative plays. Need more of that. Need some turnovers forced this week. Yeah. Need something. I think Derek was being very, very... Complimentary. complimentary, yeah. He was yes. very pleasant. I think he was being yes. Oh, the Cardinals he looked was. great last week. What are you talking Boy, about? That, that was, you know, thank you, Derek. We appreciate that so much right there. I think he was being very, very kind. But that's Does who he is. Does he know is. Bill Belichick, too? No. Okay. That's that's who he is. So it's not a surprise. You got any other sign over there? Uh, I want to go back to Vance Joseph talking about Isaiah Simmons. We played the clip yesterday about how the communication problems weren't just Isaiah Simmons. He was also asked if he's worried about Simmons' confidence after what happened last week. I mean, Wolf, you and I have talked about this since he was on Big Red Rage with you last year. He's his own harshest critic. And I love that character in a player. But at least on Sunday, it almost felt like he dropped the interception. He got beat by Juju and then beat by Kelsey, although that was pretty much a perfect play on that touchdown the first drive. And it just seemed like if if you are your own harshest critic, you are also sometimes predisposed to let things snowball because you want to be perfect, right? When Like, being your own harshest critic and perfectionism kind of go hand-in-hand hand sometimes. And it felt like he sort of spiraled on uh, on Sunday against the Chiefs. So Vance Joseph was asked if he's worried about his linebacker or starbacker. No, he, he's fine. Obviously, he knew he didn't play great last week, and we had a good plan for Kelsey to kind of get him leveraged or doubled, you know, on, on, on most of those targets. But, um, you know, he was drafted to cover tight ends, you know, so so you know, next week he has to wash his brain and go try again. But it's a it's a tough job in this league. Those guys are more receivers than arrow tight ends now. And obviously, you know, playing within the scheme and playing your proper leverage and playing the coverage called will help him. You know, and uh, unfortunately, last week he didn't do that. You know, so hopefully this week he does that. I love the fact he was talking about he's got to wash his brain. I thought that was really, really cool right there because that's exactly what I think you're talking about as well. Just the fact he is his own harshest critic. And from time to time, that's not always beneficial. It is not, especially when you're preparing to play another team with another great tight end coming up and Darren Waller as well. You need you need to have confidence going into this. I know Isaiah Simmons has an awful lot of confidence, but when... You play as poorly as he did last week. Yeah, you know what? Um, It's only human to go into week number two and question some of the things you're going to do. So hopefully he's going to respond and have a great game. Yeah, Maloney just pointed this out, though. Didn't, Didn't Vance Joseph basically just say he'll be fine if he plays the coverage that's called and he didn't do that last week? Isn't the coverage going through Isaiah Simmons last week? Yeah, for the most part. Um, but they had communication issues all yeah. over. It wasn't just with Isaiah. It, was, it started with Isaiah. But absolutely, to your point, yeah, you got you all have to be playing the same defense. may not be the right defense, but it better be the same. That, 
has to be ironed out, I feel like, before we even have conversations about winning oh. or losing games. Like, what's the point of sitting here saying, oh, well, you know, can they score enough on the Chiefs? Can they do this against the Rams? Well, if they can't get the plays, if they can't communicate on defense, there's no point in talking about the other stuff. They got to get that. I would assume that will be fixed by Sunday. Yes. Uh, all right. Last night, we saw the Chiefs overcome a second half deficit to beat the Chargers. So what do you make of that? Two of the top teams, maybe in the NFL. We'll get into that game next. It's the Wolf and Luke Show on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. Football Friday with Wolf and Luke. Presented by 72 Sold. Get your price. 98.7 FM, Arizona's Sports Station. I feel obligated to let him sing every time it's one of their songs now, just to see Wolf's no, reaction. No, it isn't. It is not Jetty Lee. Stop it. We need, we need Coheed and Cambria to cover a Rush song and then play that and see what you do. Seriously, that would be because never in a million years did I ever think anybody could cover Daddy Blake. Pretty distinct voice, huh? Oh. Uh, how about this? Darren Urban tweeted this out earlier today. Hard Knocks, they're starting to show up at uh, Cardinals practice already. Oh, there. Video of like, I, I'm assuming this is some of the HBO crew coming oh, in wow. to get like some some footage before you know that they can kind of go back to when they uh, when they start uh, airing on. They say it's a pretty big production, Moke. They do say that, so it wouldn't surprise me if they actually got some cameras ready to go. Tell me more about Hard Knocks. What (laughs) night is it on? Yeah, Yeah. I think it's Wednesday. Yeah, it's not Wednesday. (laughs) Tuesday? Every Wednesday. You guys should have told me to watch last night. Okay, what was it? Tuesday. It's it's Tuesday. I don't know when they're doing the in-season one. I know it starts November 9th. I don't know what day it is. Okay, don't worry about it. That's a Wednesday. Look at you. You'll be all set. look. You know, I'm I'm on this stuff Yeah, and in November, you're going to be like, well, I thought it was Thursday, so I guess I missed that one, even though you can just go watch it on demand. Uh, that game last night was fantastic. It was everything that you were hoping for. Justin Herbert, 334 yards, three touchdowns. He had that series at the end, Wolf, where he like, couldn't even move, but he still marched the Chargers down the field for the late touchdown. Chiefs actually trailed the game 10-7 at halftime, but you kind of had a sense like, all right, L.A., you had a chance. You don't put the Chiefs away. But you could have been up by more than three. And when they weren't up by more than three, you figured the other shoe was going to drop at some point in the form of Patrick Mahomes. And it did. If you would have told me that the Kansas City Chiefs were going to be one of three, one of three in the red zone, I would have told you the Chargers won this game. One of three in the red zone right there. I mean, when you think about it, right, just 33% in the red zone. You were only in the red zone three times. You know, that to me was a surprise. And when I looked at that right there, just knowing the... The Chargers, of course, they were in the red zone five times, scored three touchdowns, three of five in the red zone, which is an excellent, excellent uh, percentage in terms of converting those possessions into touchdowns. But overall, um, it was a great game. I was so thankful to see a great game. 10-7, as you said, at half, 17-14 going into the fourth mm-hmm. quarter, man. I just, it was awesome. Had some great plays in it as well. Some good balanced football I thought as well now they didn't amass a lot of yards rushing of course but it was effective yards rushing effective I think the charges of course and their play action and the way they go about their business Justin Herbert 
Man, um, I just haven't had a, a ton of time to see Justin Herbert play. Um, haven't had that a lot of times, of course. I'm with the Arizona Cardinals, and yes, I get to see him from time to time. Yes, there are some games that I will DVR. They're not the entire season, the entire week. Yet at the same time, Justin Herbert is a guy I haven't seen a ton of games on. Maybe seven Maybe seven, eight games oh, he's, since he's, he's been in the league. Watch. I think Maloney could probably even say this better than me, but he's significantly better in the NFL than he was in college, isn't he? My response is go Ducks. <laughs> there it is right there. <laughs> well, he did go lose Ducks. to ASU in college. Stop. I'm just saying that happens. So when when you lose to ASU in college, you don't expect suddenly to be one of the top. I don't know. He's definitely one of the top five quarterbacks in the sure. NFL. And we all know he's got talent. Um, you watch him. He's got a great frame on him, of course, and how he runs. And he can be mobile. He can move around. He's got, obviously, a great arm. Um, but I never knew that Justin Herbert was tough. Until last night, oh, yeah, definitely. definitely. I, did, I did not know that. Well, I would, I would say one of the toughest quarterbacks in the league. How about this, Wolf? The Chiefs. If you look at their last four games, okay, and maybe we don't fully appreciate what we're seeing with the Chiefs. You had the game last night where it just kind of felt like whoever had the ball last was going to win, right? Once the offense has kind of got going. Okay, I know Patrick Mahomes afterwards credited the defense, but last night you had a game where it was like, okay, this, this is going to come down to Mahomes and Herbert in the fourth quarter. You have their last game of last season in the AFC championship game against the Bengals. Literally, overtime, whoever had the ball last was going to win. You had the game before that against Buffalo, overtime, whoever has the ball last is going to win. Three of their last four games have been three of the more, especially those two last year, three of the more exciting games we have seen over the last couple years. Now, that fourth game the Chiefs played, I don't, I don't remember. That was last week. That I blocked yeah, that out. Right, thank you. But the other three games have been like down to the wire and, and great quarterback matchups. Mahomes versus Herbert last night. Mahomes versus Burrow in the AFC Championship. Mahomes versus Josh Allen in the uh, divisional round. This is when they're not playing your team one of the most entertaining NFL teams I can remember ever watching. Yeah. yeah. Honestly. No, I'm with you on that. Um, the Chiefs, because of Pat Mahomes, he just is. He just is. It's one of the reasons why he got the bucket, the bag, the Brinks truck that he did. Half a billion dollars. Oh, my goodness. you got to be kidding me, right? But one of the things I love about the Chargers and watching the Chargers play is the way they commit to running the football. And I honestly, even though they did it to some degree last night early on in this game, I, I didn't think they stuck with it enough. I really did not. And I think ultimately it may have blown up in their face. Now listen, they lost by three points. They gave up a pick six, and they lost by three points, and that really was the difference in the game. So it's hard to pick at what Brandon Staley and the coaching staff did. But, um... The Kansas City Chiefs, once again, not great at stopping the run. I think I would have been a little bit more dogmatic in terms of trying to attack the line of scrimmage. You watch the Chargers offense. This is exactly what they do. Attack the line of scrimmage and use play action to throw. Well, and they were That's in it. what they do. They were in it. It's, I mean, the Cardinals fell behind 20-7 to 7 just like that, so it was a little bit harder to commit to the run. They probably still could have a little bit more, but the Chargers last night were up at halftime, so they, yes. they definitely could have been more committed to it. That touchdown from Mahomes to Justin Watson midway through the third quarter, you remember that play where he was like almost sacked kind of like twice, and he just stepped right up and just 41 yards. Yeah, what's your point? I mean, that's... <laughs> 
I don't, I don't even know what my point was. Is that your point? Right? <laughs> just, just the fact he's real good. ridiculous. Uh, Mahomes, after the game, talked about the defense, actually. Yeah, I mean, we just hung around. Um, I think that's the biggest thing. The defense kept us in the game. Our offense, we didn't I mean, we didn't play our best football. And I think the defense, that was huge for them to keep us in that game, make some plays, get points on the board, um, and then just, and just give us a chance. And um, I think it, with a young defense like that, to see that this early in the season, I think that's going to carry us the rest of the way. Man, if you would have told me that the Kansas City Chiefs were only going to score 20 points in this game offensively. Now, they scored 27, obviously, because of the pick six. But if you would have told me that, um, I I would have said there's no way in the world the Chargers are going to lose that game. No way. And yet, that's exactly what happened. It doesn't make you feel very, very good as a Cardinal fan, too. It just tells you how poorly this team truly did play in week number one in all three phases. Yeah. Offensively, defensively, and in transition as well. Yeah, that's a, that's a great point. It wouldn't have changed anything for the Cardinals record-wise, but it would have felt a little bit better to be like, oh, yeah, the Chiefs went out and beat the Chargers 43-17 uh, to 17 last night. Like, okay, maybe the Chiefs are just a juggernaut. Now, the Chargers are a pretty good team, but uh, but yeah, I mean, the Chiefs were down at halftime. They had seven points. And I was like, oh, where was this last week? Uh, did you see the Chargers? This is Brandon Staley, not Stokely. Brandon Staley after the game talking about uh, fourth down aggressiveness. Yeah, just wanted to give our, our defense a chance to compete. I really loved the way we were playing. Um, I felt like that was the formula to flip the field there. Um, you know, I felt like we were aggressive when we needed to be tonight. Um, you know, we converted all four of our fourth downs, but just felt like, you know, who's over there um, and the way our defense was playing, uh, I felt like the field position would be a big edge for our defense to be able to pin them back there. And, um, you know, I, I like the way our defense competed tonight. He's talking about choosing field position over being too aggressive on fourth downs. Well, yeah. But he does mention in there, we did go four for four. On four, four for four. They went for it four times. He and went, converted all four. Honestly, wanted to get that out there quickly, didn't he? Yeah. Get that out there. Um, maybe not quickly. Just wanted to get that out there, period. We were four for four right there. Um, I, just listening to Coach Staley as well, um, man, he was kind of upbeat right there. Yeah. He kind of sounds upbeat. Well, in the clip we heard earlier about him talking about how Justin Herbert's like the, you know, the toughest guy out there. And I mean, he, yeah. yeah, look, they played the Chiefs very close and they did win their first game. They've, they've made it through two AFC West games and they're one and one. So yeah, right. they're, they're in an okay spot. Good point. All right. We come back, back to Cardinals. How crucial is a healthy Zach Ertz for what they want to do on offense against the Raiders on Sunday? That's next. It's the Wolf and Luke show on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station.